0: Hi guys, my name's Jason Mountford, and this is The Hedge, a podcast about growing your wealth and using your money to live your ideal life. That's what we're all about here. Talk about investments, personal finance, careers, Self-employment business, all sorts of stuff, everything to do with having a picture in your mind of what your ideal life looks like, and finding out ways to sort out the finances to make it happen. Today on the show, I'm joined by Rachel Martin, who is an accountant. She runs with her partner a business, an accounting business called Strive X, as well as as a successful Instagram account called Accountant She. Now, Rachel is an accountant, so obviously, um, we we talk about tax today, um, especially in relation to people people who are business owners, small business owners, uh, freelancers, people who are making money online, so YouTubers, content creators, and actually, that's kind of the direction that a lot of this conversation went down. You know, we, we talked a lot about what it's like to run your own business, um, the kinds of people that she works with, what she sees as some of the biggest opportunities out there for, for other people who are wanting to, I guess build that freedom and that flexibility that comes with being self-employed, being an entrepreneur, being a content creator. And as an accountant working with these people, Rachel has a really, uh, I guess she's got a really good insight as to that because she's not just coming from the perspective of someone who runs their own business, she also gets to see the books of lots of other people as well. So she knows how much money people are making, she knows what's working, she knows what doesn't. So I found this conversation really, really interesting. And I think there's a lot of value to be had um, from, from this interview, if you are someone who either creates content online or, or you're self-employed, you're thinking about heading down those directions. now. With that said, there's still plenty of stuff in here if you're an employee employee as well. She gives some um, some good information about what to expect and kind of what to to, what to take from some of the changes that are coming up uh, in the tax system. So we've got quite a lot happening at the moment. There's various um, thresholds that have been frozen. There's tax increases, all sorts of stuff. So we cover a wide range of topics on here, and I'd be really interested to hear what you guys thought of the episode. So. As always, if you have feedback, if you have questions, if you have anything you'd like to let me know about this week's episode of the show, please go to the website, thehedge.io, and get in touch with me. You can get in touch with me all sorts of different ways, whether that's email, there's buttons to click everywhere, there's all the social uh, accounts you can send me, DM on, on anything, um, and let me know what you think. I'd be really interested to, to hear your take on the episode. But look, enough from me for now. I'll catch up with you at the end of the interview. But for now, let's get into this week's chat with Rachel Martin, from StriveX and Accountant She. So today on The Hedge, I'm joined by Rachel Martin, who runs the Instagram account Accountant She, as well as a very successful accounting business. Rachel, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really, really happy to be here.
0: So we're just joking that it's a uh, first thing on, on a Monday morning. So uh, we've got some. I've got some nice, easy questions to ease us both into <laughs> it, get us going. Um, but I'm sure we've both had, have enough had enough coffee to uh, to get us through. So I'm going to start with a dead easy one because it's one that I think is a bit. It can be a lot of misconceptions about what an accountant actually does. So why it'd be good if you could start telling us what does an accountant actually do
1: absolutely uh so i'm a little bit biased but i think (laughs) that we have the best job in the whole wide world uh to to really really just like narrow it down accountants help business owners to not only meet their statutory requirements so preparing accounts and tax returns which in essence is just pulling together a record and a record of all of the transactions all of the income all of the expenditure during the year and we pull it together in a really nice format that helps them meet their statutory requirements but we also sort of Do quite a lot of hand-holding. So we really help small business owners to understand their numbers. Quite often when you're self-employed, the numbers can be one of the only ways that you have to tell you that you're doing a great job. We're not in Mm. employment. We don't get managed by somebody that says, like, great job. Like, you can finish now. It's home (laughs) time. And so quite often numbers are the only way that we know if we're doing a good job. And so... The best bit of our job is really connecting with business owners, building relationships with business owners, really being a part of their business as they grow and scale and teaching them how to make small changes, daily, weekly, monthly things that they can do to rather than, we get a lot of people that come to us quite anxious, we we call it anxiety. it's financial anxiety, uh, where there's just this sort of like sense of impending doom and dread, because they, it's like walking through airport security, like they know they've not done anything wrong, but yeah, they're just yeah. really scared and a bit nervous, and so yeah. it's our job really to just take them from there, get them caught up, and get them to the point where they're looking forward, rather than treating their accounts as something historic and a bit out of date, we teach them to get all of that stuff done but also use their numbers as a way to grow and, and scale their business so that's what awesome. an accountant does
0: <laughs> yeah so I, I guess in a lot of ways it's kind of like financial planning but for businesses rather than individuals isn't it maybe not necessarily the investment side of things but it's about you can do piecemeal and you can have a go at sticking stuff together with duct tape and trying to make it work yourself <laughs> but if you've got someone who's like an independent third party who can say right Let's step back, let's look at the bigger picture and then let's make sure all the little bits and pieces that you do on a daily, a weekly, a monthly, a quarterly basis kind of align with that bigger picture, right?
1: Absolutely, and there's the statutory stuff. So accounts, taxes that everybody can do and any small business owner could go to any accountant and get that stuff done. But through the pandemic, through the way the world, the world of work is changing, through technology and through AI, Actually, our role as accountants becomes much more like financial planners and we need to zoom out and do like person-centered accountancy. So who is this person? What are their priorities? Are they going to want a mortgage in the next three years? Are they planning to have a family? Like, what can we do now to really mean that in the future they're not thinking, oh, I wish I'd spoken to my accountant about that before? Yeah. Um, mm. And so it really really is about zooming out and looking at people as individuals and making sure that we're doing everything that we can because we get a lot of small business owners that come to us and say things like i know i need help but i don't know what i don't know which i feel like is very similar to financial planning i don't know what i don't know and i just need you to help me and so Mm. it's really about taking that person not only creating a safe place so that they feel like they can ask questions that they might feel silly asking Um, but also finding ways to teach them and educate them because small business owners don't want to just pass it all away to somebody. They want to be really involved. They need to know what to do, what we do, what our role is. And so it's more and more about educating people and doing lots of the fluffy stuff. So like we train Mm -hmm. all of our... All of our accountants have sessions on venture capital, angel investment, how to gain funding and finance for your startup, what do mortgage advisors do and what's our role in helping them. And so we're really trying to build a whole picture for a small business owner, not just do the accountancy stuff because we are the person that they come to to say, do you know any angel investors or how do I value my business or how can I use my accounts to get a mortgage? And so actually it is our job to be as proactive and responsive to those things as possible.
0: Mhm. Is that quite is that either a a unique thing that you guys or fewer businesses do or is it a part of the industry changing as a whole getting away from just doing the statutory stuff to becoming more like advisors as opposed to just looking at the look at what's happened in the last year and making sure that the rules are all followed? Is that is that a change that's happening or is it kind of always been like that?
1: It's definitely a change and I definitely think that we are Incredibly responsive in in terms of those changes, and so Mm -hmm. I recently finished my my MBA, my master's degree. Which,
0: nice.
1: You know that that (laughs) that emoji where your brain is exploding. That's how I felt like the whole way through the MBA. Seven of
0: them lined up. Yeah,
1: yeah. and that's how I felt. And I just it. People can go anywhere to get their accounts done. People can do it themselves. They can go to an online website that does it for them. And actually, it's our job to make sure we are at the heart of people's businesses. And so that proactiveness every single member of our team knows that we need to be responding to changes in the industry before clients bring it to us so some yeah. accounting firms every time a new software pops up a new like online accounting platform or a new bank the first time they hear of it is when a client comes to them and says oh do you work with starling mm-hmm. or monzo or zero or quickbooks and actually yeah. it's our job as a practice and my specifically my job as a practice owner to know about every single thing on the radar that might impact not only our clients but also our accountants because it's that knowledge and that like being at the front edge of it that like makes the accounting industry come to life so mm-hmm. we training development and performance is at the heart of what we do as employers as well and so every single member of our staff is is training they're either training to do their foundation level exams or to become chartered accountants and The study is the black and white, but it's that experience that we can give people that is the colour behind it, which actually makes Mm. doing exams way easier as well because Mm. you don't have to think, what does the textbook say? You have to think, oh, what did I do when it was that client? So much easier. And so we take that responsibility not only for our clients, but also for our accountants because it's so fun to feel like you are like riding the wave, but you're actually in front of everybody else. And so
0: Um,
1: I think that really does set us apart to a lot of firms as well.
0: Yeah. In practice what you preach, hey, that's what, that's what you teach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what businesses need to do, yeah. So um, you mentioned there, obviously, about self-employed people. What kind of clients do you tend to work with the most? Is it um, a big mix? Do you have small companies, big companies, everything in between? What do they look like? So we
1: literally work with everybody from mm-hmm. electricians, plumbers, all the way through to some of the biggest influences on Instagram, TikTok, OnlyFans, you name it. We, we do it. Yeah. And I really, really think that not specializing and working with everybody makes us so much better technical okay. accountants because we have exposure to everything. And we have scaled very rapidly. So 18 months ago, we were a one-man band with 50 clients and we're about to hit 450 and there's nine of us. And so oh, fantastic. being able to take every single Person, every single industry, every single business, and use that to learn, gain experience, and work on the next person, not only Mm -hmm. means that the sense of community that you can create with that is so powerful, and as small business owners, that community is everything, right? Like, it can be quite lonely sometimes, (laughs) running a small business and feeling like you're the only person doing it. And for me specifically, some of the best relationships that have literally saved my sanity have been the relationships with people In the same place doing the same thing as me and Mm -hmm. so quite often i every prospect i speak to i not only say who can i introduce you to do you need a website developing do you need pr support like what can i do to help you but i can also say we actually have some other clients that do the same thing in the same place as you would you like me to introduce you to them as well and Mm -hmm. so it's fantastic but the short answer is we work with everybody and we absolutely love it
0: i mean that's interesting really because to me because always hear with business or content or anything that you're doing that you need to have a niche you need to specialize and i guess your your niche really then is not necessarily this the client you work with but it's the approach you take like because it's not you don't often hear building a community aligned with an accountancy practice (laughs) right so i guess that's that's where you guys have this niche is because i know from my perspective i in my industry obviously work closely with a lot of accountants and you guys are very unique in in the way you do it so yeah that that's really interesting
1: 100 percent. i definitely think i i I said this to somebody last week i think the way the business feels is the niche people come to us because this is a podcast but i think we're going on youtube too right yeah yeah okay so if you're watching on youtube you'll know that i'm currently wearing a mickey mouse jumper (laughs) And uh, I don't think a lot of people expect accountants to not be in a suit, not be in a corporate office. My office is bright pink with LED lights everywhere and I'm wearing a Mickey Mouse jumper. And actually that's what business owners want. We are in an industry and an environment right now where businesses were developed during the pandemic. People Mm -hmm. did what we did and grew their business from either a shed in their back garden that we call shed quarters or their spare bedroom or from their phone. And actually that's what business owners want now. They want community, they want engagement, they want people that will help them, people that they feel like will have their back and cheer them on and shout about them on social media. And it's, I think it's the way we make people feel is our niche, not who we work with because that sense of family comes before everything else.
0: Yeah, definitely. My favorite jumper of yours is uh, catch fraud, not feelings. Yes, I like that one. That's, yes. that's a <laughs> So, uh, this wasn't a question I, I had um, th- thought of to ask you before, but um, just hearing you speak about the way that you work with, with the small business, um, small business people and people working from their shed quarters and that sort of thing, we're going through a lot of economic turmoil at the moment. Do you think anybody can start a business?
1: Oh, if I can. Yeah, absolutely. I am I am an introverted accountant that has somehow dominated social media and scaled a biz- business faster than anybody else has ever. And so, yeah, 100%. I think the barriers to entry are lower than ever, right? You need access to the internet and a smartphone to start a small business, whether it's dropshipping a YouTube channel or an Instagram platform. Mm-hmm. Barriers to entry are lower than ever. Um, the support that's available to people is better than ever. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like I would never have thought that I would do what, what I'm doing now. I always thought I'd be too scared. And so I, I really do feel like if, if I can do it, anyone can. I think historically there's, you know, there's programs like Dragon's Den and The Apprentice, which make business look very ruthless and, and scary. And I, I had mm-hmm. an old boss that told me, you'll, you'll never make a good manager or boss because you're too kind. And, um, every day I wake up with that in my head, like you can (laughs) do it, just be kind. And actually I really think it's changing the world. Like one client at a time, this business is led through kindness, compassion, and just trying to create change, not only for the clients, but for us and for the, for the accountants that come after us. And I really, really do think anybody can do it. I did a TED talk last year, which was all about how to grow and scale a business as an introvert again, because I am not the stereotype of being this ruthless business woman or person and actually that's okay because my business doesn't look or feel like other people's and that's what actually sets us apart and has helped us to grow so quickly.
0: Yeah not everyone's going to relate or want to do business with the stereotypical entrepreneurial extrovert VC bro are they you know different people attract different people and that's yeah yeah that that is your superpower isn't it being yourself and attracting people that want to work with you and then the type of person you are
1: that's the thing I think as a small business owner there's such a huge opportunity that lots of people don't realize which is that as a small business owner you get to choose customers and suppliers who drive your values the whole way through your supply chain Mm -hmm. so whether it's we, whether it's I'm speaking to a prospect who is a therapist and a counselor and I get to say hey like we actually give all of our staff unlimited access to therapy mm-hmm. um, it, the people as a small business owner you have spending power and so you can choose the customers and suppliers that you work with and make sure that every single one of them is being an advocate for you driving your values through the whole supply chain and that's that's so powerful
0: mm, definitely so what's your favorite part of being an accountant then?
1: That's a good question. I mean, sometimes I think I'm not a stereotypical accountant, again, yeah. because of what I do. So I run an Instagram platform. I have a YouTube channel. I have merch, which is catch not feelings. Uh, <laughs> be audit, you can be. and <laughs> And so for me, I think the best thing about being an accountant is... Every single person, every single set of accounts that you see, you get to see inside their business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think we've said it 17 times already when people imagine an accountant, we we call the stereotypical accountant the stale, pale male. Like people expect somebody <laughs> in a suit that yeah, feels a bit stale <laughs> is probably <Yeah>. male. <laughs> um, and so by not being that, And by actually putting the customer at the heart of what we do, it makes everything come to life. And -hmm. people imagine us to just be sat behind computers on spreadsheets with almost a conveyor belt of accounts coming before us. And actually we put the small business owner in the front. And so for every single client, before we start work on them, we have an hour with them on Zoom to just talk about what are your priorities, what does your family look like? How did you get here? What are you passionate about? What are your long-term plans for the business? We then look at their social media platforms, we look at their website to really like understand who they are and that for me is what makes the whole thing come to life because your set of accounts, again not only can it help you see how far you've come but it can also give you that measure that quite often you don't get as a small business owner and I think finances whether it's financial planning mortgage advice or accountancy so many people feel so alienated by it and actually through kindness through compassion through financial education through us i have a youtube video called like how to read and understand your accounts because people Mm -hmm. engage with an accountant we prepare their accounts and then we send it back to them yeah and actually there's this hilarious assumption that even though they've engaged with an accountant to do their accounts they can somehow understand the accounts that you send back to them. (laughs) And like, even if it is their business, there'll be words in there they've never seen before. There'll be references to numbers that they don't know what it's made up of. And so we have a YouTube video that page by page says, this is what we're asking you to check. This is how Mm. as a small business owner that sees it from the inside, this is how you can check your accounts. And so, yeah, like putting the business owner first is what makes it come to life and being able to do that in such wonderful, wonderful ways. And like, Again, a spending power. Like today we had a conversation. I, I don't know when this will come out, but it's currently the 28th of February and the Ukraine crisis is terrifying. Mm. And so just being able to act in a way that's right. That's right. I think I we've all worked for businesses where you don't feel like you have any control. And so this morning I just opened Teams and said to the guys, like we have a charity of the year. That's our local dog rescue center. We were going to have a budget of, x amount of money to to spend on stuff during the year do you Mm. just want to donate all of it today to the ukraine everybody just voted yes on teams and that's what we're doing and i think the best bit about being an accountant and running a small business is just yeah like doing it with compassion kindness and the client first and yeah it it really does come to life
0: yeah i mean it's it's very similar to the way i approach financial planning because i always say really I say it in a way that's a bit blunt but I, I don't really care about the money like the money and pensions legislation that doesn't get me up in the morning even you know maximizing the efficiency of a portfolio it's all pretty <laughs> boring and dry stuff like the reason why it's actually interesting is because you can draw a line between getting that right and getting the client outcome right and i think you know you mentioned there about the ukraine again it's about giving people the freedom and the flexibility and the ability to be able to spend their money how they want and that includes things like that, you know, it includes yeah. being financially secure enough to say, this is an awful situation, how can I help? Unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do but you can give money and mm-hmm. if we, if you structure stuff uh, in the right way, if you make sure your clients are, your money is protected and, and secure then they have that ability. So yeah, 100%, a, a it's the nuts and bolts of a lot of jobs are incredibly boring. Yeah. you got to focus on the outcomes and the people at the center of it and that's what makes it an interesting thing to do every single 100 percent, and like you say
1: like <laughs> people can go anywhere to get their accounts done they can do it themselves people can do financial planning themselves or they could go for the cheapest option and actually it's it's down to us to give them 20 reasons why they should come to us instead mm. and most of those are intangible they're not like yeah they're not tangible. And and so even things like financial planning, like they work so closely with with what we do. And we've always found that quite often the barriers that are there are because people don't know what it looks like or feels like or what they're supposed to do because we're not taught about financial planning, mortgage advice and how to run a business at school. And so yeah. I created a YouTube video last year where I worked with a financial advisor and it was a come with me to a financial advisor session. And I showed them behind the scenes. I showed them what we spoke about. And for me, like we have responsibilities as people that do understand the industry to build a bridge from the people that do to the people that don't. Because it's not that people don't want to, it's that they don't know how. And so Mm -hmm. being able to break the barriers down and say, okay, like if you're too scared to reach out to a financial advisor. Let me show you what it's like to do that. And you can come and watch it behind the scenes. And actually, that's fantastic. And that's hugely powerful too.
0: Yeah, definitely. So one of the ways that you reach people, you mentioned YouTube, but also, you know, your Instagram is really popular. That's how I first came across. (laughs) Did that come before you started the business or did that come off the back of it? What made you want to start that?
1: Yeah, of course. So Instagram for me was, it was so important to me to, be where our customers are Mm -hmm. and i've said before our customers aren't big corporate organizations that want to work with another big corporate organization our clients are small business owners who run their business on instagram or shopify or etsy and so Mm -hmm. i wanted to be where they are and look like them and feel like them too Mm -hmm. like I understand that social media is really difficult and how do you post a reel every day without losing your mind (laughs) and it's so important to like be where they are and to almost show that you have the same struggles and problems as them and to be approachable and friendly and so for me our clients are small business owners who run their business online maybe have a YouTube platform and Instagram account a Facebook account and that's means that already you have five things in common. We're small business yeah. owners, we're on Instagram, the struggle is real, I understand, and that's what makes those barriers to entry completely drop. And so Instagram was a very strategic decision. Uh, again, in my MBA, I did my strategic marketing module and, and like looked on the graph of what problems did they have, where are they, who are they? We've got like set client groups that I know that either We're getting clients from collaborators, people like you, people who work in other financial sectors, bookkeepers, financial planners, mortgage advisors. There's the collaborators. There's the Martians who are little aliens who feel alienated by their current accountant and so come to us. And then Mm -hmm. there's the babies. There's the brand new business owners that from day one know that they want to work with somebody like us. Mm -hmm. And so I wish I could say it was a happy accident, but it was it was quite strategic to be in the right place at the right time. And specifically during the pandemic, that was very, very important. We are competing against huge top 100 firms who charge a lot more than us and pay their staff a lot less and so have huge profit margins. And so Mm -hmm. it was really important to be proactive and to show that we're small business owners too, among everything else. And I think that is where a huge amount of it comes down to. There's a lot of big firms and actually the person that you're dealing with is an employee. And for us, they get to deal with a, a fellow small business owner. And so being able to go live on Instagram every time Boris made an announcement to just map out exactly what that means for small business owners, what help they're entitled to, how they should apply for it, things that they need to think about before they plan and, and what we can do to help was, was really, really important. But mm. Instagram has been a huge huge way that's helped us grow the business i'm I'm very proud that the number one source of new work is through referrals which is fantastic and i think if that ever changes we would need to stop everything and look at why that's happening but um our our number two is is instagram and it's just fantastic and and the the platform accountancy is as much about bringing in new work as it is changing the industry that we work in it Mm. when i decided to become an accountant I'm sure you were the same. When I decided to become an accountant, there was nobody that I could relate to that I thought, yeah. like, that. that's what I want to do. I want mm-hmm. to be you. Like, you're creating change. You do a serious job, but you don't take yourself too seriously. You are creating merch because you acknowledge that a lot of young people who become accountants don't go to university. And yeah. they have FOMO because their friends have got hoodies <laughs> that say, say they're university on. And it just... The platform is so much about community not only for small business owners but for people who want to become an accountant want to start their own business want to start their own accountancy practice and it's fantastic i love it so much i i honestly i, I have the best job in the whole world
0: yeah and i think that's uh, that's really interesting to you say that it was such a strategic um decision and the amount of kind of work that you that has gone into it and it's interesting because I talk to a lot of people who are really successful on YouTube um, and on Instagram and are making careers either directly on social media or off the back of social media platforms. And consistently, the message you get is that it was very intentional and Mm. it's very hard work. And obviously, I know that from (laughs) personal experience, trying to get content out there. I'm very inconsistent. Other than the podcast, it's really the only thing that I do on a proper, consistent basis. And I think that's really important message you get across because I think part of part of what makes good content is making it or trying to make it look like you're not trying too hard because 100 100%, 100%. and so it's really difficult because people are watching stuff or listening to stuff and thinking that looks so natural it sounds so off the cuff and 99.95% of the time it's not and I think it's really a good message to be getting out there that anyone like you said before anyone can do this but you have to understand that you you have to go in and treat it like a business treat it like a job it, because it is basically hundred <laughs> percent
1: and I think again I'm very heavily introverted but I'm the sort of introvert that people tell me I'm not introverted mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> yeah. they'll hit me on a podcast oh, no, or not. they'll see yeah. me on social media yeah. and they'll say you're not an introvert yeah. and actually the the definition of being an introvert just means that I lose energy from social interactions I don't yeah. gain it and actually if I have very heavy like zoom days I just finish work and sit in a dark room because that's how I recharge <laughs> yeah. rather than recharging around other people. And so yeah. that's why at the beginning when you said, can anybody do it? Like if I can, you can too. And it's, it's not about confidence. It's not about knowing everything. It's just about like believing in what you do. And, and there's a really amazing book called start with why and find your why. And so actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And There's like a workbook that you can buy that goes along with it as well. So if you really are thinking of starting a business, I would definitely recommend the two of them together. But if you know your why, the rest comes, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're doing it for the right reasons, you will end up being in the right place. You'll create Mm -hmm. the content that hits well. And that I think is the secret is just find your why from the word go. Don't start before you have. And Mm -hmm. you'll already know your why, but maybe you just need some help like really mapping out what that is. And then... The platform that you should start on will come naturally. The content you create should come naturally. The content pillars that you want to put in to help you create content or filter out when you've got too many content ideas, all of that will come. But the why behind the business is... And your why can change. It can evolve and grow and change with you. But if you start with why, everything else will come.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's really, really true, definitely. So in terms of the content that hits the best, what do you find people are most interested in when it comes to the I would imagine very small niche of accountancy content on Instagram what what are people what do you get the most engagement from what what turns turns people's or lights people up the most
1: okay there's there's actually two that hit the most and so I have three content pillars on Instagram and the two little pieces that hit the most. It makes sense when you look at it and you actually dig down to why. So I'll start Mm -hmm. with what they are and then we can actually, we'll like investigate. So the first is tax. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I like, if I make a reel that's like a small business owner having a great time and then like tax comes out of nowhere and like terrifies them, that always goes down very well. And then the second is the honest stuff. And so I really struggled with my accountancy exams Um, I wasn't in a great place in my life at the time I really struggled I I failed some accountancy exams and people don't post failures on LinkedIn people just post the certificates when they pass and so I especially as the platform grows and the following increases which I, I know is a lot of people who use the use the content I create as a form of inspiration and a form of like actually if I see that content that's what I want to do and it'll help me buckle down it'll help me revise and I feel that momentum building but also the responsibility to not act like it's easy every day Mm -hmm. it's not not act like it wasn't a difficult journey to get here it wasn't and to not act like it was really easy and that I passed every exam first time and I had a great time but what I can do is teach young people coming into the industry, or people who want to change their career to come into the industry. I can speak about the fact that as a business owner, that's relatively successful, I wasn't successful in my exams. I didn't mm-hmm. really enjoy it. I failed exams. And what I can tell them is that that doesn't devalue the service that I offer clients. It doesn't impact the fact that not one prospective client has ever asked me, did you ever fail an exam?
0: (laughs) No one's ever asked me that. You must be our rubbish account (laughs) there. Next.
1: So they'll talk about qualifications, which is really important. They'll never ask me if I failed an exam or how much study I did or did I enjoy it. And so the two that hit the most are actually the emotive ones, the ones Mm -hmm. that small business owners' worst fear is tax coming out of nowhere. That's -hmm. the content I create. Accounting students or people that are watching you because they would like to become an accountant one day That's what they're experiencing right now. Yeah, I do have responsibility to talk about it because the greatest lessons we learn are from failure like succeeding That's easy, right? It doesn't hurt. It feels nice the failure is where you grow and you push and you change yourself and so it's really really important that I talk about failure because Specifically in the financial industries it's very competitive. And yep. like I trained at a top 100 that was incredibly competitive and if you failed an exam more than once you got put on performance management you could lose your job.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
1: it was crazy. And so yeah, speaking about failure is very important to me because it's very easy to see the end result and think it was a really easy journey and that makes other people sort of buy into like the toxic hustle culture to get there. Like it's okay to fail an exam it's okay. Yeah. And actually, if, if, if I speak about it, other people will speak about it. And yeah, sorry, I'm waffling now. But the failure thing is really important. I'm sure it's exactly the same in financial planning. It's, it's so hard. It's yeah. so hard. And like nobody talks about it. They just, they post those pictures on LinkedIn where they stack all the books next to them with big balloons saying like ACCA behind them. And actually it's important to talk about failing too because yeah. otherwise what, we're just comparing ourselves to the end product and not the journey. And that's what's that's what's really, really important to me.
0: Mm. And I think actually it really helps with that, the point about finding your why, because I think the, again, the stereotype when people talk about failure is that, you know, it's just a step in the road to the end goal, right? And if you're talking about like exams as an easy example, if you've got six exams to get qualified in something, if you fail one, it just means you're going to learn more for the next one, et cetera, et cetera, which is true, which is true if you've, if you've actually thought about why you're doing things, and you know that that end goal is important to you. But I also think it can be a good um, time for you to step back and think: Why did I fail this? Is it because I don't really want to do it? So I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm not the why at the getting this it qualification. It doesn't really matter to me. I'm doing it because my parents want me to do it, or yeah. you know, it's a, got a lot of like you can earn a lot of money when you do it, or whatever. And I think it's a good, it's a good kind of, it snaps you into focus and think, hold on, like, do I actually want to drag myself through this for the next two years? And yeah, they answer maybe yes. Like, yes, actually I do. And then that's fine. Let's regroup. Let's have another crack. But I think it's also just as valuable to say, no, I really don't want to do this. That's why I didn't revise enough. That's why I failed. So let's actually think about where I can put my energy that I could still fail at the exams doing something else, but actually it's going to be worth it at the end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I. There's also this misconception that, like, education is a straight line. You know, you'll mm. go to school and then you'll do your A levels and then you'll go to university and then you'll go off and have a great life. And I didn't go to university, I did an apprenticeship and then I trained to be an accountant and then I started an MBA, a master's degree in business when I was 25. And Education isn't a straight line. Apprenticeships are absolutely incredible and like so important to the financial services specifically. And so if I can use my platform to talk about apprenticeships, why they're great for small business owners, but why actually as a young person, it can change your life. It's yeah. it's fantastic. And so, yeah, speaking about failure, speaking about the journey, what it looks like and actually... I've always believed that if you go through something and you needed somebody and they weren't there, you should just become that for others. And so that's really, really uh, what we're what we're trying to do.
0: Mm. Interesting, actually. I, I never went to university either. I I um, I'm the, I um think we're quite similar. I did like my financial advice qualifications, did them twice because I do them here in the UK as well. But uh, <laughs> I, then I went back and got a master's in, in applied finance because the same sort of thing. It's like you feel like you have to have that, yeah. that kind of, piece of paper the degree to to have it but in a lot of cases it's you know it's one of those things where it's nice to have it's important education but you can be a really good professional in loads of different industries without having to go that linear path um i do want to ask some tax questions i can't <laughs> have an accountant on the show and not ask any tax questions but what just while we're on the top on 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 the subject of careers the one one last thing i wanted to ask you about um so people I had I had um, Andy Taylor uh, on the show a couple of weeks back and we talked about um, people who are getting into a new career or, or even career looking for a change of career and accountants quite a, is kind of similar to financial planning in a way because you don't have to do that three-year degree to change the career you know you do have options to, to make a change that don't require having no money at all for three years and going back to complete student life. So do you have any advice for people either looking to get into accountancy? as a graduate or as, you know, as a young person out of school or looking to make a a career change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my top tip would be, so if you don't have a degree or if you have a degree in something else and you're considering apprenticeships, I would really, really just like to give you a little little spoiler alert, which is that the apprenticeship minimum wage is optional and unicorns do exist (laughs) uh, in that we have never, will never, and would never pay the apprenticeship minimum wage. We pay every single person, regardless if they're studying or not, uh, 10% above the market rate for their role. You mm-hmm. become more valuable to us with every exam you take, and your pay increases by £500 with every exam you take. And again, there's huge stigma around being an apprentice and what that means. And actually, if you're able to like navigate working and studying at the same time, you're a badass and we want, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we want you. And yeah. so um, I would definitely encourage you if you are looking, I, one of the biggest barriers is people who maybe have a mortgage or have rent to pay and think, you know, I'm not a 19-year-old just leaving school or a 17-year-old just leaving school. I don't live with my parents and how could I possibly be an apprentice?
0: Yeah,
1: I would really encourage you to look at what's out there because... We, we do exist. Um, <laughs> um, I actually also, I have a YouTube video which is called how to land a job in accountancy with no experience because that is awesome. one of the most questions, the most common questions I get asked mm-hmm. and There are ways to do it. We've done it. We've got apprentices who are in their 30s. We've got people who've come from charities, people that have come from industry with no practice experience because actually what you do bring is diversity within our industry. You've come from the inside. Now you're going to look at it from the outside. That makes you a better accountant as far as I'm concerned. So I would definitely check out that content because it really does a deep dive in terms of like practical things you can actually do, like Mm -hmm. how to change your CV in a way that still makes you attractive even if your accountancy experience is tumbleweed that's that's okay practical things you can do free online stuff that you can do to get like certified in how to actually use accounting software for example Mm -hmm. and so there's so many things that you can do and quite often the internet and indeed and recruiters will make it feel like you can't do it and i'm telling you that we're out here we do exist and we we want you so yeah yeah that would be my my top tips
0: Okay, I'll make sure I link that video in the show notes, guys. So if you want to check that one, check that one out. Definitely go and have a look. Um, so you mentioned that you work with with obviously lots of small businesses. Is it is it only business owners and self employed that you work with, or do you have any clients who are on a you know employed individuals?
1: Yeah, of course. So. When I say everybody, I really do mean everybody. (laughs) So the majority are small business owners, but we have everybody up to the audit threshold. We're actually um, getting the ball rolling to take audit in-house as well. So that's a huge... I'm getting my big girl pants, we get an audit license, that's very exciting. Uh, So we work with small business owners, but then also there are so many people that need tax advice. So Mm -hmm. when you go over the 100k threshold, for example, um, once you've finished drinking champagne, you then (laughs) should get an accountant so they can help you do self-assessment tax returns. So Mm -hmm. lots of people, for example, who maybe work in sales is a really great example, who quite often Mm -hmm. go over the threshold not really expecting to, but quite dramatically in one year because they've done a great job. Uh, Once your uh, employed income goes over 100K, you actually start having to do a self-assessment tax return. And so we work with employed, freelancers, small business owners, and small business owners in every meaning of the word. So people who have a side hustle, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: work full time, and sell homemade scrunchies on Etsy in their spare time, all Mm -hmm. the way up to business owners who are you know, one man band founders that have plans to take over the whole world and they want to look yeah. at funding options and angel investment and how to scale and R&D claims and innovate UK funding. We literally, yeah, do it all.
0: Awesome. So what are the, some of the most, what are the, some of the most common mistakes that people make when it comes to their taxes? The, the, the kind of stuff that you meet with someone for the first time you think, oh God, why are you doing that <laughs> for? Um.
1: Yeah, I think the the biggest, thing that people bring to us is i don't know what i don't know and it yep. we hear it all the time they don't know what expenses they can claim and either they haven't been claiming what they should because they're too scared or mm-hmm. they've been claiming way more than they should because yep. they have no idea and so uh, that's probably worse
0: right out of the two yes the yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i think like Income is relatively clear. People know when they're making money. They know what's a sale, what's not a sale, and that's quite clear. But actually Mm. when it comes to allowable expenses, that's when it becomes trickier waters. And the best advice I can give is that if something is wholly and exclusively, that's the HMRC wording, for the business then you can spend it and so mm-hmm. if you were at a train station ticket machine with your personal bank account and your business bank account in your hand two little cards if all you have to ask yourself is would i be spending this money if i wasn't self-employed so if mm-hmm. you're getting on a train to meet a client or meet with your accountant take them out for lunch <laughs> that would be great um if you the wouldn't, yeah, <laughs> if you wouldn't be spending that money if you weren't self-employed pop it on the business card. And so actually, as long as you're following that rule throughout the year, don't forget it is our job to give you feedback. And that's one of the things that I really, really value. So whenever we go through uh, a client's set of accounts, we have a feedback section. So we'll always give clients feedback and say, just let you know, this is what you did throughout the year, but these are the changes that we made. And so that really helps them to sort of point them in the right direction and guide them and educate them about what they can claim and what they can't claim. So allowable... Blah, 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 (laughs) Allowable expenses are probably the number one. Um, And then there's little things past that, not really understanding when they should register as self-employed, not understanding uh, company structure. So sole trader versus limited company is a really, really common conversation that I have. And then past that, tax efficiency. But that's where YouTube has been a wildly different platform to help the business than Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so I can actually create long form content not only to send to existing clients when they ask me the question, but it also captures new clients who are searching for the answer to that question. And so the way I create my YouTube content is we have an FAQ. And so if any client asks me a question that I've never been asked before, it goes on the list. So yeah. how can I scale my business? What are the funding options for my startup? What's the difference between a sole trader and a limited company? How do I move my sole trader over to a limited company? What is mm-hmm. VAT? How do I do that return? What what changes when I become that registered? And so actually to be able to create long-form content that A, saves our accountants time explaining it to every single client. Yep. B, gives a client a resource that they can actually watch 10 times if they don't understand and then just come back with some questions. And then also brings in new work because I'm answering people's questions before they have found an accountant. They like the way I answered the question, and then book yeah. a meeting with me too. And so it's so cool to have like a life cycle of content that actually it solves a problem, but it also brings new work in, and it's, yeah. it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's a huge asset for your business as well, isn't it? Because like, well, you just you explain why, but in terms of in terms of actual value, that the bigger that gets, the bigger that that becomes actually an actual asset in terms, of, in terms of a monetary value asset for your business because it's driving so many leads, it's such a part of your client journey, all that sort of stuff.
1: 100% and it, clients come to us in different ways. So sometimes it will be a client searches on YouTube for what's the difference between a sole trader and a limited company and they come mm-hmm. in that way. But then if they ask me, how do I transfer my sole trader to a limited company? I can send them back. So not only does it bring new work in, not only does it answer the questions that existing clients have, you can also monetize your YouTube channel as yeah, well. Yeah. So yeah. with every client or potential client that's watching the videos, you're actually generating revenue as well, not in new clients coming in, but also just passive income through. Mm. My YouTube account is monetized. And so the more people that watch my content, the more money I get too. It's the whole cycle and the way they all feed into each other is, is huge.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, I put out a um, a question thing on my Instagram stories asking people to ask me questions to ask you Um, and you, you mentioned freelancers a couple of times and obviously, especially with the pandemic and everything the last couple of years, from what I've seen anyway, there's been kind of an explosion of people doing freelancing work, like you say, whether that's starting up YouTube channels, whether that's side hustles, whether that's going on furlough or losing your job and just having to start something new. So, what are some of the kind of most common things that freelancers can claim kind of the the low hanging fruit I suppose
1: Yeah absolutely so most freelancers let's say you are a freelance consultant and for most people, the really, really basic stuff we would see is a couple of subscriptions. So very minimum, you're going to have a website, an email domain. Most, most people nowadays have like a Canva account as well. Mm-hmm. And so I would definitely encourage you to sort of like go through your bank statement and just ask that question. If you go back for the last three months, for example, and you're self-employed, even if you've got your personal bank account and your business bank account sort of mixed together, Do what we call the walk of shame through your business bank account. And just ask yourself the question, would I have spent that money if I wasn't self-employed? And the chances are that you have traveled to see some clients or while you were out on a job, you got some lunch and you use your home as an office. And so we can reimburse you tax-free for that. And so there's the ins and the outs that are captured throughout the year by the client. So receiving money, spending money, those are really easy to capture. Most people have a separate bank account for their business. They spend money, receive money, ins and outs throughout the year. It's our job as accountants to not only take the cash in and cash out, but then to also zoom out and think about what else can we do to help this person? What else happened during the year that is right now intangible that we need to adjust for? So Mm -hmm. using your home as an office, we can process a use of home allowance that reimburses the client completely tax free for using their home as an office during the year mileage quite often people don't don't realize they can claim mileage so if they travel to it for example if you run an etsy shop and you go to the post office twice a week that's a lot of trips to the post office and yeah, so we'd say exactly. post office journey is x times by x amount a week times by 52 we can reimburse mm-hmm. you completely tax free for using your car taxing it insuring it at a standard mileage rate your personal mobile phone bill quite often people don't realize that actually most small business owners use their personal mobile phone to run their business. It's, yeah. it's only sort of an afterthought that they might think, should I get a separate <clears> phone? <throat> like, no, the way people start their business is creating a YouTube account, Instagram account, TikTok profile, Twitter profile, all from their personal phone. And so yeah. we can actually apportion, I pay, for example, £40 a month for my mobile phone, 40% of my phone usage, not just phone calls, but actual phone usage relates to the business. And so mm. we can we can apportion that too. And it's that sort of stuff. That's where the tax efficiency comes. That's where the guidance comes. That's where the, did you know you can claim this, comes from. Yeah, yeah. And that's what can really, like, empower small business owners to actually make really positive spending and tax efficiency decisions because of all the work that we do together.
0: Mm. Okay. So one of the questions I got, you, you, it made me, rem- rem- made me remember it because you mentioned mileage allowance there. And Dan sent me this question, which I thought was quite interesting. Can you claim mileage for a bicycle?
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I guess this wouldn't work if you like lived in the Yorkshire Dales or something, but I don't know, maybe if you live in central London, I don't know.
1: That's a really good question <laughs> that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> I might actually put that on my YouTube content list. So Dan, if you're listening, check out my YouTube channel. I might have responded to your question. But this is what's so cool about our industry, right? Every single day I get asked questions that I don't know the answer to. And that is the coolest job in the world. Like if I had a really dull job, I'd know all of the answers. I have never been asked that question before. So great question, Dan.
0: (laughs) And I actually love the fact that you said you don't know because what I hate is when someone clearly doesn't know the answer to a question and they spend five minutes talking around it Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, you don't actually have an answer because there's so much legislation that no one can know the answer to everything, um, especially the tax system. It's insane. Um, so we've seen. Speaking of the tax system, we've seen um, quite a few changes that are coming up in April. We've seen obviously there's going to be. Um, the student loan threshold is is changing. The way that that's the the, the loans are repaid. Um, national insurance is going up. Do you think all these changes are going to have a big impact on people, or do you think they're maybe a little bit overblown?
1: It's a really interesting question, and a lot of the work that I do is sometimes working with journalists to really help them mm-hmm. understand what the changes means, so they can actually be reporting on it, not terrifying people. And so yep. when the budget was released in autumn with the national insurance changes and things like that it was the headline was national insurance is to go up by one point like 1.25 percent right yeah that was the headline yeah, what they yeah. what you didn't see is that the threshold is also increasing so the mm-hmm. threshold's going up so the amount that you can earn before you pay national insurance has gone up and then yep. after that the threshold has gone up the threshold's actually gone up in like much lower than the the rate of inflation and so there's so many things to understand and so i would really encourage people to a if you can speak to your accountant but if you can't like read the small print that goes with the headlines because actually they've released this great thing called freeports i don't know if you've heard of that but uh, within oh, the, I've heard
0: the term, but I don't know exactly how it all. So works, with yeah. with the national
1: insurance increase, they also are trying to increase the economy in places that actually aren't performing very well, and so mm-hmm. they've they're trialing it with two places in Scotland which are ports, like actual ports on the coast in Scotland. And so to encourage and drive economic activity in those areas, if you are a business and you set up in a free port and you're employing people in a free port, you actually have a 0% national insurance threshold up to 25,000 pounds, which can help the employer and the employee. And so there's so much like good work being done and the headline will say, national insurance to increase by 1.25%. And if you're earning this much, this is how much more you'll be paying. But actually, the threshold's increasing too, and so that's a really positive, a positive thing. We have seen it before, where the actual charge increases, but the threshold doesn't increase either. And so the we we were actually running some numbers last week because I am releasing a YouTube video to help people mm-hmm. understand how the national insurance rates are changing. And so it's really important to understand what impact that has on you as a person, and actually why. And so that would that's my answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, look below the headlines and see yeah. pounds and pence. How will this actually? actually impact me.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So one of the common things that I always get, and it's you know, it's work that I do with clients uh, around trust, setting up trusts, um, investing within trust, that sort of thing. But I think for people who maybe haven't done it before, it's often, the, the word trust makes people think that they can just, you know, rich people can just put all their money in a trust, <laughs> like never pay tax, it's like this magic thing. What's which is obviously not the case. What's your kind of take on trusts? Is that something you tend to advise on much? Are they um, used very often? How do you kind of see it in your day to day work?
1: Trusts are really interesting because, again, as accountants, trusts aren't something, or like advice on trusts isn't something that would like fall in our role. But actually, mm. our role is working very closely with individuals who either have trusts or financial planners, wealth management consultants who are actually advising clients to set up trusts. It's something that for, for me as a small business owner with, with our business, trust is something that we're looking at, again, to protect the business and make sure that we're able to pass it on to the people that we love with the lowest implications. And so one of the best bits about being self-employed versus having a job is you can't pass your job on to your children and mm-hmm. you can't sell your job. You can sell a business and you can pass a business on to your children. And so trusts can be a really great way of not only financially protecting people you love, but for example, I run the business with my fiance, James. So we're life partners and business partners. And actually what trusts can do is create uh, legislation and make sure that your wishes are carried out if something does happen to you. For me, the business is James. It's so much a part of who we are. And so we both have really, really lovely ideas of what we would want to happen to the business if something happened to us, because... Mm -hmm. This isn't a short-term thing. We will do this for the rest of our lives, and and hopefully pass it on to to somebody one day. And so, trust can really help you not only do things as tax and cost-efficiently as possible, but they can really help you as a business owner like find peace in in what would happen to you if yeah. if something happened to you, and, and make sure that your wishes are carried out. Because
0: mm.
1: we're all here for the same reason. We all want to create change, and and actually, it's 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 you can use it almost like a will, but for your for your business
0: so yeah. yeah definitely uh then that's that's how we tend to obviously there's some tax benefits but it's not some magic magic stroke of the pen that means you never have to pay tax but yeah there's lots of interesting things you can do with them to make sure people get money i definitely agree life.
1: with the stigma though like you quite often think well, my children don't go to private school like why would i <laughs> why would i why do i want to trust and yeah. actually again it, it's just another word it's just yeah. another word and it's just about like helping people to break the barriers down understand what it is Understand the reasons why people would do it, the reasons why people wouldn't do it, how it can help you, what difference it will make to your to your life, and then again, we should just be creating YouTube content about trust, Jason. That's what I take it from. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so obviously, if people um, need an accountant, they should just go see you guys. But in more like broad terms, what, um, how do people find a good accountant?
1: Oh, good question. Um, I definitely say there's. The easier way to answer the question is if i just tell you some red flags and what to look for when you're looking for an accountant so the first thing is like find somebody that you feel really comfortable with is is the number one thing like Mm. if you're speaking to somebody and they make you feel like you don't know anything they make you feel a little bit silly or you actually feel like you find yourself feeling silly talking to them huge red flag like this is a safe place and if you can't find somebody that you can be completely transparent with, like I literally get people that come on zoom calls and say like, I've actually not told anybody else this, like not even my husband or my wife. Like (laughs) I've never told anybody how much the tax side of things terrify me or Mm -hmm. people that have had limited companies for five years. If I say to them, like, do you want me to just run through what your responsibilities are? Or do you know what a dividend is? They say, no, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Like all of Mm -hmm. these things happen to us as small business owners. And, just creating a safe place is the most valuable thing in the world. So, first red flag would be if you don't feel really, really comfortable. Yeah. And that you actually like, if you like close your eyes and imagine that person calling you, you should want to pick up the phone, right? You shouldn't mm-hmm. be like, oh god, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. My accountant's calling me. You should be yeah. like, oh my god, it's Rachel. Yeah. Um, so, like that's the that's the first red flag. Um, secondly, qualifications. Like ask. Again, spending power is in your control as a small business owner. And so you should be asking your accountant certain questions like what qualifications do you have and what are your plans for the business? Like if yeah. you want to work one on one with that person, a business that's planning to grow and scale probably isn't right for you because yeah. their role with you will change. So mm-hmm. ask ask your accountant what their plans are for the business. Ask your accountant how they're training their staff, how they're developing their staff, how they look after their staff, like make sure that your values within your business are being transferred up and down your supply chain. Um, Yeah. Yeah so helping people to really understand how their business works and also just ask them like what's your onboarding process, like what's it actually like working together because I think having an accountant is very like working with a financial planner, lots of people think like oh I'm a I'm a proper business owner now because I have an accountant, but quite often they don't understand what it's like working together. And so one of one of the best and most important things that I love to do is to actually, with every single client, map out expectations. So this is what it's like working together. This is the contact that you receive from us monthly. This is the contact you receive from us annually. If you need anything in between, you come to us, but that relationship's driven by you. And so ask those questions ask like can I call you without getting charged (laughs) like (laughs) that's a really thing that's a big thing that lots of big accountancy practices bill by 0.6 of an hour so every 10 minutes you're speaking to your accountant you're going to be paying for it we don't do that ask them how do you how do you calculate the fee that I pay Is it charged? What's charged? What's billable? What's not billable? Ask all of the questions. And actually, the most valuable thing to us as small business owners is A, knowing the price, but B, knowing that that price won't change. So ask all of the questions. Ask them about the business, what the plans are, what the fee is that you'll pay, how they calculate the fee that you'll pay, how they can add value to your business. Um, Yeah. And the most important thing is to just check in with yourself and, and, think about how speaking to that person makes you feel because that is the Mm -hmm. most important the most important thing our role as accountants is to help you guide you encourage you increase your confidence connect you with people that will help you and to really just be somebody that you really feel comfortable picking up the phone to and saying like i i need help I, i need i need help today and that's okay
0: yeah definitely that's really really useful stuff look um it's been really really good having you on the show i've I've really enjoyed having this chat with you today rachel so thanks very much for for coming on um for people who want to find more from you you've mentioned that the youtube channel the instagram do you want to tell tell us where they can find you handles that sort of stuff
1: yeah absolutely so my handle is at accountant underscore she which i'm really happy you're listening to a podcast because you'll get to hear me say it out loud, it's Accountant She. I literally get people <laughs> onto calls sometimes and they say like, oh my God, I just got it. It's like accountancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's accountant underscore she. Uh, it's the same handle everywhere. So you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all of all over the places. I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you've listened to the podcast today and you have lots of questions, please do pop me a DM. Um, we can exchange a couple of voice notes, have a chat and uh, see see how I can help
0: fantastic awesome thank you so much for coming on the show rachel really appreciate it
1: thank you so much for having me
0: so that was the interview with rachel martin uh, look i i don't think i've ever met an accountant who brings so much passion to the way that she speaks uh, about about the industry you know i think it, with a lot of finance related industries there's a lot of Kind of interest in it. There's a lot of focus on it in the media and focus on it as a career and, and that kind of stuff. That's that's kind of been the way for a long time. But generally speaking, it's like often people taking that path almost begrudgingly, right? Like taking that path because it pays pretty well. Um, you know, you can get that level of financial security. You can build a business. You can um, create a pretty good life for yourself in the financial services and professional services space. But it's pretty rare to find someone who is so Pumped up about it, and you know, I uh, I definitely left that conversation feeling really inspired about my own career and my own um, my own work with content and that kind of stuff. So I hope you guys found just as much value and and interest and passion from that interview as as I did, because um, definitely an enjoyable one to do. Now. If you want to connect with Rachel, I definitely recommend you do it. You can check out, um, as she said, she gave the handles and stuff at the end of the interview there. But I'll also drop the link to her Instagram account, the Accountancy Business, and to her YouTube channel in the show notes as well. So you can check that out. Now, the other thing that we had a little bit of a talk about after we finished the interview is um, Rachel actually offered to interview me. And I thought that's a pretty good idea, right? So we've, we've teed up a time um, and over the next few weeks, basically what we're going to do is we're going to flip the script a little bit. Rachel's going to come back on the show, but she's actually going to interview me. So I'm going to be a guest on my own show, which is kind of interesting. Luckily, I'm still going to be in control of the edit. So if I say anything too stupid, I'll still be able to cut it out. But um, look out for that. That's going to be coming up in the next... Um, in the next few weeks as well. Now, if you want more content from me, if you want to read some articles, if you want to see um, all the stuff that I put out there on top of the podcast, the best place to do that or find that is at the website, thehedge.io. I'm putting a lot of articles out at the moment on various different bits and pieces um, to do to do with money, to do with finance, to do with investing, all that, all that good stuff, but blog posts, articles, you can find all that at the website, thehedge.io. So jump on there, have a look. You'll probably find something that you are you're interested in. I'm adding uh, sort of a few, trying to do two, three posts a week. So there's always plenty of new content going up there. And by the same token, if you have questions that you'd like me to answer on the podcast, then that's the best way to get in touch with me as well. Thehedge.io is the website. Um I've had quite a few questions come through over the last couple of weeks, so um, maybe next week, the week after, I'll be doing an episode where I run through those and it'd be great to get a few more to make sure we've got plenty of stuff to talk about. So guys, thank you as always for tuning into the show and I look forward to speaking to you next week.